from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odeschalette, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Elizabeth Acosta Krug on June 8, 2020. Elizabeth is the author of three books, Answers from Heaven, The Near-Death Experiences of René E. Passero. Second book is Ancient Wisdom, Common Ground, and Interfaith View of the Spiritual Journey We Call Life. And her third book, Thirty Days to a Better World Starting With Me. We discuss each of these books, and she shares excerpts from each in the interview. I started the interview by asking Liz where she grew up and what was religious life like growing up. I grew up in Southern California, and I was born to a very, very staunch Catholic parent. And I grew up and went to Catholic school for nine years. But I always had more questions than they had answers And I asked the nuns at first my questions, and after seeing their flustered response and not being able to answer my questions, I decided that I needed to just go on my own and and read and study on my own and try to find my answers. And so I ended up embarking on a very lengthy spiritual search, which took decades. And I read all of the holy books of all the major religions, I went on a Holy Lands tour that took me to Italy and Rome and also to Israel, all over Israel. And I visited all kinds of holy shrines and I got to meet religious leaders of all the different backgrounds. And as I studied and researched, I kept feeling more and more like there was a golden thread that ran through all of it and connected all of it. And after a few decades of searching, I had come to believe in the unity and oneness of mankind, but I thought I was the only person out there that believed in that, and it was kind of lonely and disappointing. And then I met a Baha'i woman who took me to a Baha'i meeting, and I learned about the Baha'i faith and discovered that I wasn't the only one. These people believe that all of religions are interconnected. And we're all one and children of the same God. And that was just wonderful. It was like coming home to me. So I've been a Baha'i ever since. What were some of the questions you would ask the nuns or whoever when you were growing up? What were some Um, of the searching questions you were asking? Well, one question I had, and I think I was probably only about 12 when I asked it. I told her that if Adam and Eve had two sons and the sons got married and had children of their own, who did they marry? (laughs) Hmm. none became very flustered and told me to go ask Monsignor (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to embarrass them anymore so I just kept my questions to myself did you ever discover that answer in your quest not specifically but because the Bible does favor men and doesn't speak much about women and women's interaction as much in things I'm sure there were women around, but it, we just didn't read about it in the Bible. Were you always interested in writing as you were growing up? 
it had crossed my mind a few times. It wasn't something that I was hugely interested in. But as I began to work more and more through the Baha'i faith, teaching children's classes and conducting devotionals and helping in different areas, it became more and more apparent to me that the message was so huge. And it was such a shame that it was only being shared with so few. And I wanted so much to find a way to reach more people on a broader scale, people who might never come to a devotional or children's class or the things that we host. So I decided if I put it in a book format, maybe I can reach a wider audience that way. So that is what inspired me to write the book. And what was the first book that you wrote? I started with The Ancient Wisdom Common Ground. It wasn't the first one that I finished. That one took a really long time to write. And what happened was the Baha'is were being encouraged to start hosting interfaith devotionals and invite people of all faith backgrounds to come to them. Well, there was a gentleman in my community that started putting together these devotional programs, and he would take quotes from all of the major religions and weave them together under different topics. His wife one day told me that he was putting in such long hours working on this, and she really wished that somebody could help him with it. So it was something I had an interest in. So I volunteered to start helping. And so I took what he had written and what some of the other people in nearby communities had written, and I tried to compile enough so that we would have material for every single week of the year. So I compiled more than 52 programs. Then when I had all that information, it was getting a beautiful response from people who would come to the devotionals. But again, I wanted to reach a wider audience, so I put it into a book format. And at first I was told that the book I came up with was just way too thick. No one would buy it. No one would spend the money for a fat book like that. It would intimidate people. So I cut it back to 25 topics. The 25 topics are for somebody who's searching spiritually, who's just getting started. And so it kind of goes over meaning of life and the purpose why we're here. And then through this searching and choosing a spiritual path and prayer, and it goes all the way to death and what happens when we die. And so it's just an overview of the spiritual life, but as it's taking the words from the major prophets and religions of all the world and putting them together to show how they're all saying the same thing. They're all in agreement with each other. And I just really wanted people to take that away with them that we're all in agreement for the most part. Our differences are so small, it's not something we should be fighting over. Would you like to read an excerpt from Ancient Wisdom, Common Ground, an Interfaith View of the Spiritual Journey We Call Life? Sure. All of the religions, probably the main teaching of the religions, is love one another. So I'll read a couple of pages, and this is the quote from the religions. The first one is from Christianity. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. In Islam, it says, you will not enter paradise until you have faith, and you will not complete your faith until you love one another. 
And from the Baha'i writings, it says, Love is the light that guideth in darkness, the living link that uniteth God with man, that assureth the progress of every illumined soul. Love is the most great law. And from Judaism, it says, You shall not hate your kinfolks in your heart. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against your countrymen. Love your fellow as yourself. And in Buddhism, it says, let one live in love. Let one be adept in one's duties. Then joyfully, one will see the end of sorrow. So all of them are saying, love one another. So I can see how this book would really dispel the prejudices people may have of a, one particular face or another by seeing how they all speak to the same messages. And if, the, for instance, if they're Christian, I could see how this would dispel any prejudice that Islam or, or any other faith is basically speaking the same universal truths uh, in all kinds of different aspects of life. Yes, if we could just shift our view from focusing so much on our differences and the differences are often differences of whether you eat meat or not drink alcohol or not your costume or whether you worship on saturday or sunday these are little things but if we focus on the things that we are all teaching our children the same lessons there is so much i actually came up with well 52 different topics that I had and I cut it back to 25 but even that I have so much material it's like there's no end to what I could come up with of what we have in common there is so much and I just wish everybody knew that so I'm speaking with Elizabeth Acosta Krug author of three books answers from heaven the near-death experience of Rene Passero Second book is Ancient Wisdom, Common Ground, an Interfaith View of the Spiritual Journey We Call Life, which we just talked about, and 30 Days to a Better World, Starting with Me. So, Liz, let's talk about the book Answers from Heaven, The Near-Death Experiences of Rene Passero. Who is Rene Passero, and what inspired you to write this book? Rene Passero, she's somewhat very well known actually, in Baha'i circles and also in the near-death research circle. She was very, very sickly from the time she was a young child and she nearly died and she would have visits from her grandfather. She had been bedridden for a few years and then she was better for a bit and then she ate something that caused food poisoning and she had her most extensive near-death experience as a teenager. And she was researched at the time by the top researchers in the industry who were writing and publishing books on the subject. And they found that hers was one of the most extensive ones they had seen. She had experienced more levels than most people ever get to. So it was an interest I had, unfortunately. There's been abnormal amount of death and illness around me from the time I was a baby, and so I needed myself to know what happens when we die. 
So fast forward after I wrote the book, Ancient Wisdom, Common Ground, I went to Arizona to a conference to market the book, and I met Lisa Bradley there. She's the author of Abby Wise books. We spent quite a bit of time together and talked about our common interest in the near-death experience research. And a few years later, she decided that Renee's book had to be put in writing. She had been interviewed many times on video and magazines and books and things, but she never wrote her story and put it in book format. So Lisa tried to convince her that this needed to be done. Well, Renee was very protective of her story. It was her baby and she wasn't going to hand it off to just anybody. She was very protective and she wasn't sure that she even needed to do a book. Well, Lisa wasn't going to give up that easily. She couldn't convince Renee to let her write the book. She thought that maybe if she could get me together with Renee, maybe Renee would allow me to write it only because our personalities are more similar. So she got us on a three-way conference call and we talked for a little while. And at the end of the call, Renee said, okay, she would let me write her book. And so I feel so blessed and so honored that I was able to do this. What I did was I researched and tried to gather all the information I possibly could. Every interview she had done, I took everything, put it in writing, and then wove the different interviews together into one narrative. And then I ran it by Renee because she was very sickly at this point. So we would go over it together via phone and through the internet went back and forth and finally polished it up and got it to where she was pleased and satisfied with it and ready to release it to the world. And I'm just so glad that we have that because she just passed away this last January. Oh, wow. So it's interesting to have it. What is the Baha'i perspective on life after death? It's not just earth, heaven, hell, period. We will continue to progress forever. The idea is to draw closer and closer to God. The analogy that I really like, Abdu'l-Bahá, the son of the prophet founder of the Baha'i faith, he talks about how the next world is as different from this world as this world is from the womb of our mothers. That when we're in the womb, we're developing feet and legs, but there's no place to walk or even stand up in there. And we're developing hands and arms, but there's really not much use for it. And we develop the ability to see and hear and speak, but there's no one to talk to in there and not much to see in there. So we're developing all of these abilities that seem unnecessary in the world of the womb. But when we come into this world, all of a sudden we have need for all of these things. And thank God we developed them when we did. Now the next world what we need to be developing for that is spiritual qualities. And we need to really work on being honest, being truthful, being compassionate, being loving, being caring, because all of that is going to affect where we go next and what our condition is going to be. And so it's very important that we'd work on that. All of it makes so much sense to me, especially having researched the near-death experience, that really... 
we will be so glad in the long run if we just really work on being the best person we can be and evolving spiritually. So the book goes into that in greater detail. and It's very, very uplifting. I can imagine it can be very hopeful to realize that death is really just a portal to a new dimension of life based mm-hmm. on the experiences that Rene had. Would you like to read an excerpt from the book? Yes, if you don't mind, I have two I'd love to read. That would be great. Okay, the two most important things, I think, in her story is the life review, which this describes the importance of it, and I'll just go ahead and read it. This recounting of the deeds of one's life is nothing at all like what we would typically think of in this world. What were important were the choices that I'd made. Even more important than just the choices were my motivations, my intentions, and the state of my heart. I experienced in a sort of holographic and rather instantaneous way how every action I had taken was like a stone cast into water causing ripples outward. If an action is loving, that action touches the first person for whom it was intended Then it touches another person, and then another, because it affects how that person interacts with other people, and so on. Every action has a reverberating effect on every single one of us on the face of this planet. When I had committed a loving action, it reverberated throughout the essence of every individual throughout the planet. Whenever I had committed a loving action, It was like love upon love upon love, which filled me with the greatest joy. Now, the reason the book is called Answers from Heaven is because when she was sick as a child, there was a time when she had nothing else that she could do but read. And as she read about what was going on in the world around us, she became extremely concerned about the path that we were on because it seemed as though the path was a self-destructive path, and she was so worried about where it was going to lead. And this was the question that she took with her when she had her near-death experience. And she was very blessed to receive answers to her questions. And this next one I'm going to read is talking about what was going to happen in the future. And we are now starting to see this all play out more than 50 years after she was told about this. So the book says, The vision of the future I received during my near-death experience was one of tremendous upheaval in the world as a result of our general ignorance of true reality. The ultimate reality is our spiritual reality, that constant, lasting, abiding reality that doesn't change with the winds, fancies, and vicissitudes of the human world. I was informed that humanity was breaking the laws of the universe, and as a result of this would suffer. The suffering was not due to the vengeance of an indignant God, but rather like the pain one might suffer as a result of arrogantly defying the law of gravity. It was to be an inevitable educational cleansing of the earth that would creep upon its inhabitants, who would try to hide blindly in the institutions of politics, science, and religion. Humanity, I was told, was being consumed by the cancers of arrogance, 
materialism, racism, selfishness, greed, chauvinism, and the separatist thinking. I saw sense turn to nonsense and calamity in the end turning to providence. Hmm. So that chapter describes so much of what we're living through right now and how it's all for the sake of our learning and cleansing and it's going to be a rough ride and in the end it'll all be okay we'll be better for it but it's just going to be some tough lessons that we have to learn now did her near-death experiences influence her spiritual journey absolutely before all of this happened when she was about 13 a friend of hers invited her to a Baha'i fireside. And what that is, is an informational meeting for anyone who's interested to learn more about the faith. They could come to that. She was very, very moved by what she learned and thought it was the most beautiful thing. But her mother was totally against it and took most of her information away from her that she had brought home, told her she didn't want her involved in that anymore. Well, when Renee had her near-death experience, she was told that there was going to be what was called the people of the just, that were a group of people who were going to work very, very hard to try to make the world a better place and turn things around and teach us to be a more spiritual people and more loving and more united. Well, after Renee's near-death experience, she had to know if the Baha'is were the people of the just. So she went to another meeting and she asked them mainly about what Baha'u'llah teaches about the near-death experience. So someone read a few quotes to her from the Hidden Words, which is a book written by Baha'u'llah, which is the founder of the Baha'i faith. When they read those quotes to her, she burst into tears and ran out of the room because it touched her so deeply. It really described what she had just been through. And so she felt this was it. She couldn't live in this world anymore unless she was part of that movement and part of the Baha'i community helping to make the world a better place. So she became a Baha'i for the rest of her life. She worked very hard to try and assist and get her message out there and help others. She was very devoted and dedicated, and her mother, who wouldn't allow her to be one, ended up becoming a Baha'i and also served the faith for the rest of her life. I remember watching a video of Renee speaking about her near-death experience, the one about which I think you had described where she had gotten some food poisoning, I think. And she talked about how her consciousness had left the, her body and she was actually looking upon her still self and people around her. I can't remember everything about that experience, but it just was very um, moving how she could experience such a dramatic experience. And it seems like she's had a number of these, I suppose. Yes, when she was a young child, she had her near-death experience. And then as a teenager, she also had that extensive one. And then I think she was 17 when she had the last one, the third one. And that's where she was told that she was still had a lot more work left to do. And she was going to be sickly all her life. 
which she was not happy about, but she was promised that she was going to be taken care of and have the assistance that she needed to get through it, that she just had some very important work she needed to do here. So she didn't have a choice. She had to stay. But I do highly recommend the book. I think it's the best gift you can give someone if they're facing a terminal illness and they're afraid of what's to come. This describes in great detail everything she went through, and it's all positive. And it's a good gift for someone who's just lost a loved one and is grieving because it's so comforting to hear it from her standpoint. When I finished writing the book, I made a trip up north to Northern California to see her in person because we had done everything long distance up to that point. When I talked to her, she just beamed and she said that she so looked forward to the time when she could leave this world and go to the next, but she would never rush it or do anything to harm herself. But she said that there's nothing to be afraid of. It's the most beautiful experience, unspeakably beautiful. And she really looked forward to that day. So I'm speaking with Elizabeth Acosta-Krug, author of three books, Answers from Heaven, The Near-Death Experiences of Rene Passero. The second book she wrote was Ancient Wisdom, Common Ground, an Interfaith View of the Spiritual Journey We Call Life. And the third book is 30 Days to a Better World, Starting With Me, not necessarily in that order, but those are the three books that she's written. Liz, let's talk about the book, 30 Days to a Better World, Starting With Me. What is this book about? Baha'is, we have these classes that we teach children, and it's mainly just teaching them virtues. And it's all about learning about kindness and sharing and cooperation and forgiveness. The most wonderful virtues, and I was very much involved in this for a while, I had parents thanking me, saying that they were so pleased with the difference they saw in their children, and the children seemed happier, and it almost seemed to me like the more difficult their childhood was, the more it meant to them. They really, really appreciated this class, and it just touched my heart, and again, I thought, gosh, there's got to be a way to reach more children. Well, I got the idea read somewhere that it takes about 30 days to create a habit. So if you do something every day for 30 days, you're more likely to continue doing it. Well, I, in my own life, had learned that going out there and doing good and helping others is so uplifting. And there was a period of time where I just got so busy with work and other things that I stop doing it. And I started to feel depressed and I couldn't understand why. And then I realized because I'm not out there helping people and doing good. So I decided to take all of this and channel it into a children's book. So the idea was to come up with 30 days worth of ideas, things that children can do that'll make a difference in the world and make the world a better place. And really, if only one child does this, the world is a better place that just the fact that somebody out there is doing that. So I put together this book. I had so much fun. I took two little girls out shopping with me and running errands one day. And I told them, why don't we go to page two and let's try out what it says on that, which is, well, I'll read it to you. So see how many people you can make smile today. Sometimes just flashing a big smile at others makes them want to smile too. 
Sometimes it helps to tell them a good joke. For others, a kind word will do. Try competing with your friends to see who can get the most smiles. The world is always a better place when people are smiling. Well, these girls were going through the store, finding people that they could try and make smile. And it started out as a competition and they were keeping count. But afterwards, they were having so much fun that they stopped keeping count. They were just enjoying making people smile. And the responses from the adults was amazing. And it's just a day that is completely unforgettable. I will never forget how in much joy those children had and the people that they tried to make smile had. And it was just so amazing. So being able to have this book out there and have other children, even if they don't complete the 30 days, but just to go out there and try to add joy to the world. We really need a lot more of that these days. Do you have another example, Liz? Yes. One of the other lessons is about sharing. And there was a young girl that had confided in me that she didn't have any friends. And she was a very, very spoiled child. Her aunts and uncles and divorced parents Everyone seemed to be competing for her love, and so they showered her with toys and candy, but they didn't teach her how to make friends. So when she told me with tears in her eyes how no one wanted to be her friend, I said, you know, you have more than you will ever know what to do with. Take some of those toys, take some of that candy, and share it. And so she did. She went to school and she took a basket full of things and she started giving it to the other kids. And from that day forward, she had friends. She learned how to make friends. So that also was very gratifying to know that that made a difference in a child's life. I'm speaking with Elizabeth Acosta Krug, author of three books, Answers from Heaven, The Near-Death Experiences of Rene Passero. Ancient Wisdom, Common Ground, and Interfaith View of the Spiritual Journey We Call Life, and 30 Days to a Better World, Starting with Me, which Liz was just talking about. Liz, where can people find these three books? They are available online. There's an online bookstore called Special Ideas, and it's also available on Amazon.com. The children's book is under Liz Acosta, and Ancient Wisdom Common Ground is under E.G. Acosta. And then um, the book Answers from Heaven is also under E.G. Acosta. Do you have a, another project on the works? Are you thinking of some other work you'd like to produce? Every so often I get ideas now, with the last three, they were books that it just kept nagging at me that I've got to do this, I've got to do this. The ideas wouldn't leave me. I'm still waiting for that moment where I feel like, okay, this is it, I have to do it. But I feel like there's still one more book at least left in me, and I'm sure I will produce another one. With everything that's going on in the world, I feel like there's need for more positive out there. So I'm sure I'll come up with something. Well, Elizabeth Costa-Krug, thank you so much for taking this hour to share share your three books with us. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Elizabeth Acosta-Krug, the author of three books, Answers from Heaven, The Near-Death Experiences of Rene Passero, 
Second book is Ancient Wisdom, Common Ground, an Interfaith View of the Spiritual Journey We Call Life. And her third book, 30 Days to a Better World, Starting with Me. You can find this interview and other interviews on the website abahaiperspective.com and on the YouTube channel A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i Faith, you can go to the website baha'i.org or you can call the number 1-800-22UNITE. I hope you join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
ghost anywhere With two wings We can sail through the sky With two wings We can fly With two wings We can soar the cold How would the heat of the earth prevail Were not for calamity How would the sun of thy patience shine You're Because of the wicked Thou were created to bear and endure How sweet was thy dawning on the horizon of the covenant Among the stars of sedition and the yearning after God By thee the banner of independence Was planted on the highest peaks And the sea of bounty surged And the sea of bounty surged
chorus of its mighty wings and with complete and joyous confidence through the immensity of the heavens until impelled to satisfy its hunger Eterneth longingly to the water and clay of the earth below it, an inmate of the heavens, an inmate of the heavens is now forced to seek a dwelling place upon the dust. to seek a dwelling place upon the dust and having been entrapped in the mesh of its desire findeth itself impotent to resume its flight to the realms whence it to the realms whence it came powerless to shake off the burden weighing on its solid wings that bird hitherto an inmate of the heavens an inmate of the Bye.
a young boy went at his father's command to the town bazaar with a coin in his hand. He searched through the crowd in the burning heat, but no vendor would sell him bread or meat. He was suddenly pulled from the marketplace with a stranger's hand held over his face. And in the gloom, he saw an apparition. It said, Now you must be patient in submission. Life is a flickering state of affairs. Lit by the hand of the man upstairs. The boy awakened in a pool of red with vermin scampering happy and fed. On the floor he writhed in pain The stranger entered and called his name He said, spend your days in here And grow old or recant your faith And join our fold The boy said, I would sooner walk through fire My allegiance Life is a flickering state of affairs Lit by the hand of the man upstairs Life is a flickering state of affairs Lit by the hand of the man upstairs Paraded naked through the public square 
The crowd threw rocks and spat in his face His limbs were tied and a hood was put in place The boy held proud his fragile frame As the officer shouted Ready, aim Then a voice said You will always be protected Just lead the way and expect the unexpected Life is a flickering state of WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.